All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the 360 Sports Show, broadcasting to you live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch. I am Andrew Pizzelli, joined by Christian Lauber. We have a great show for you here today. We have special guest Greg Kay in the house. We'll get to him in just a second. A little bit of the housekeeping duties right off the bat. We are live every Sunday at 11 a.m. You can follow us on all those platforms. Again, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch. You can also catch the show as a podcast. We take the audio from this show and put it out later on this afternoon so you can subscribe to the 360 Sports Show uh, through your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or comments for us throughout the show, you can drop them in the comment section of any of the live streams. You can also email the360sportshow at gmail.com to reach us at any point throughout the show or throughout the week, and we'll read those here on Sunday. That'll do it for my housekeeping. Uh, Christian, we do have one really important bit of housekeeping uh, from your end. Uh, how about you go ahead and tell us how many days left in 2020 we have? Yeah, as usual, we're uh, we're coming down to the to the wire here pretty soon. Sixty eight days left here in uh, in good old twenty twenty. Yes, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. <laughs> hey, you're 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 down seven days each week. You come back to watch the show, so. Yes, this is this is the way we can get through, people. This is the way we can get through. Uh, anyway, I want to get right to our guest here today, uh, and as I said, special guest uh, Greg K who is in his 14th year as the Commonwealth Coast Conference Commissioner and 20th overall working in a conference office. Previously, he was the Associate Commissioner of the Division II Sunshine State Conference from 2001 to 2007. It was inducted into their Hall of Fame in 2013. Nationally, he serves on the Division III Football Committee and is part and is a past chair of the Division III Baseball Committee he is a graduate of Rollins College near Orlando, earned a master's degree from Ohio State, worked for nine seasons in the New York Yankees organization, and also performed game day work for numerous college and professional teams in Central Florida, including Cubs, including clubs in the Houston Astros and Tampa Bay Rays organizations. A big special welcome to the show to Greg Kay. Greg, how are we? Doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great way to start off a sports-filled Sunday. Awesome. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, first, um, just to kind of go back in time a little bit, um, how difficult was it to be a conference commissioner? You're a uh, commissioner of a Division Three conference currently. Back in the spring when everything was going down, basically minute by minute, something new and different is happening and something that I don't think any of us all could have been prepared for. Nothing trained you to be ready for this. How difficult was that, and what was that like back in the spring? Yeah, you know, I as you said, I've been doing this for a while. Um, you know, 14 years with the conference, uh, 20 years uh, for a collegiate athletic conference in, in one division or another. You know, uh, goes back until, um, you know, I graduated from college in the, in the late 80s. So really, I've been doing this for, for a long time. And I can honestly say that time and, and really the time we're going through now is is unlike any other that I've ever experienced. And, you know, that includes dealing, uh, you know, with with athletics during um, you know, during 9-11, uh, being in Florida, dealing, you know, with numerous hurricanes. We had, a you know, a space shuttle tragedy that affected us uh, on a day that we were supposed to have a live TV game. Um, a lot of different things. This really was was unlike any any other. Um, you know, for the most part, people I think were looking for guidance 
um, from a lot of different sources, but there really were so many unknowns. Um, you know, people are, are dealing with a lot of different perspectives, you know, especially people trying to worry about their institutions uh, and their students more than anything else. And, you know, it, it, it probably could not have come at a more challenging time because really, you know, during spring break when all this broke, um, that's really the only time of the year that there's a lot of long distance travel, so to speak. Teams scattered across the country, undecided about, do I go to Florida? Do I uh, bring my team back to Florida? What do we do? Um, you know, the NCAA really throughout the process has always deferred to conferences and institutions to, you know, make the decisions that they've needed to make. Um, but there's really no playbook for, for something like this. So I think we were looking for, you know, a lot of guidance from, from that level. Um, and while it, it, it happens, it, it doesn't always happen at a pace that people um, would like it to. Um, especially with all the unknowns changing hourly by hour, hour by hour. So really that was um, like no time we've ever seen before. You know, you're thinking, oh, it'll be, it'll be done in a couple of weeks. And, you know, here we are. I can't tell you how many meetings and conversations and email chains and texts and things that have taken place since March. Um, but it, it still continues to be a, a, a time unlike any other. Yeah. Division three athletics nationally canceled fall sport championships. So no national tournaments uh, for them. Conferences, if they wanted to, could play. Uh, I know your conference has pushed to the spring uh, and that decision came pretty early on. What's the decision making process like Do with, with that sort of stuff? Do institutions communicate, hey, we're like thinking about not playing and then so a conference says, hey, so many people don't want to play and then it trickles up nationally or does it trickle down? NCA says no, no championships. We're going to put the pressure on. We don't want people to play. Even though we can't make you not play, we're going to pressure you to not play. Or is it basically different everywhere and it's kind of a little bit of both from all sides? Yeah, I think all of those to some extent are are true. And, and you know, what I think a lot of folks don't necessarily realize is that, um, you know, being a commissioner at the division three level, um, and, it, and it's probably the, the, the case as, as well at, at the D two level, uh, and maybe even some of the smaller D ones, um, you know, people have a perception that we have unilateral authority. Um, you know, they, they hear commissioners. So, you know, right away, um, you know, they equate you to a Roger Goodell or a Rob Manfred or, um, you know, any of, of, of those folks, Adam Silver. Um, and it's, it's, it's really a, a much different world than that because our, our conference, like virtually every other Division III conference, it's, it's, it's really driven by the membership. So, you know, specific to the process, you know, at, at this point, uh, we still are, are having weekly uh, calls of our athletic directors. You know, we never used Zoom before this. It was always in-person meetings or, you know, sometimes you, you might throw a conference call together, but we're doing that weekly on, on Zoom. There were stretches during this, uh, you know, where we were doing that almost daily, um, you know, trying to figure things out. Our, our presidents, uh, you know, they've, they've been meeting. It works out about, you know, once per month. But again, there have been some stretches in there 
where, uh, you know, those folks have, um, you know, gathered more frequently than that. And, you know, the thing that sometimes gets lost in this is I don't think there's a single person in the process that doesn't want to play, you know, uh, on the athletic side, we're, we're all competitive people. You know, that's why we've gotten into the business that we, we, we've gotten into because we love sports. We love student athletes. We love watching what they do. Uh, presidents, it's, it's the same thing. You know, they're, they're in charge of what essentially are small communities and athletics is just such a huge part of it. Uh, but that being said, you know, everybody wants to do it in a way that is, is, is safe. Um, if you look at the division three philosophy statement and most conference bylaws, uh, presidents are, are responsible for the conduct of a, of an intercollegiate athletics program at the division three level. They ultimately are going to make institutional and conference decisions. And like any other group, you know, at different points in the process, they can all be um, on the same or different pages. So, you know, really for somebody in my role, it's, it, it's about bringing those folks together, uh, whether it's presidents, ADs, coaches, what, whatever the constituent group might actually be you know, and trying to give them as much information as you can so that they could make the most prudent decisions. And, and, and really in, in all these conversations, um, you know, primarily the weekly AD calls that we have, we, we talk about a lot of different things, um, primarily sharing the nuts and bolts of what's going on in every campus, whether it's about uh, testing, student life, what's happening with staffing, what scrimmages and practices look like. Uh, what makes that really interesting is, is that you have a lot of regional differences and a lot of state differences. And, you know, if, if we were all operating, um, you know, as, as part of the same uh, public educational system, uh, that would make it a, a much different spin. You know, we, we've got 10 private uh, colleges and, and universities that are located in three different states. Um, you know, I, I would even go so far as to say in a lot of ways, the state of Bo or the city of Boston is really its own entity. Yeah. So, you know, what might be happening in, in Western Mass, um, it could be drastically different than what's happening at, in, in the city of Boston. So when you start talking about that, you know, there's different things as far as quarantines, there's different rules that apply to assembling crowds. So all of those, you know, legal things really enter into the play. Um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time really looking at what other conferences are doing. Um, you know, even though every situation is, is going to be unique. Um, you know, the other challenge, and, you know, this is probably where I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent because it's, it's, it's what I do. Um, <laughs> But also, I, I think there's there's a big misconception a lot of times about the NCAA. You know, the NCAA is is not, um, you know, a, 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 an individual person or or even an organization that is saying, here's what you have to do. You know, it's it's an association of conferences and schools, and I and I think what makes it difficult is that a lot of times the media is going to generalize the NCAA um, when they really mean BCS football and Division I men's basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, that NCAA, you know, a lot of folks don't realize they're not realizing any revenue from BCS football, 
the bowl games or what most people would would think of as the college football playoff. Um, you know, there are there are some rules that do apply across the association, but you know, by and large, the three divisions are able to make their own rules and they have different governors governance structures that are in place. And, and within that, um, you know, numerous committees that are formed by people across the membership. You know, you alluded to my sitting on the Division Three football committee and I've been on the baseball committee. Well, there's also, you know, there's a board of governors at the association level, a Division Three President's Council, Division Three Management Council, uh, Division Three Administrative Committee, Championships Committee, Sports Committees, um, you know, things like that. So, you know, really the NCAA is the membership. Now, you know, sometimes things may come from within the membership that may create cha challenges for uh, individual schools and individual conferences to deal with. But it's not a case where, you know, my perception of something like the NFL is, is that the commissioner is going to say, here's what we're doing. And, and it happens. And, you know, our world is, 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 is vastly different. Um, doesn't always mean we agree with what's coming out of the national office, but we have a voice, um, you know, in, in the process. And what's made this tough is I think people are looking for answers, but a lot of times people that are involved in the committee structures, you know, their priorities are going to be their institution. Yeah or their conference. So, you know, in, until you get get squared away what, what your day job is, um, it, it, it's kind of hard in the middle of crisis to say, okay, let's focus on where on where the NCAA is, is going to be. So, you know, it's pretty convoluted process. I could probably, you know, come <laughs> on every week for a year and, and explain, you know, my perceptions of, of what the NCAA is. But I just, I wanted to throw that out there because it's something that I think a lot of times, you know, people may not, may not understand. Oh, it's well, like you said, I mean, people think about like, you know, the money-making machine of the NCAA. Well, that's right. really, like you said, just football and basketball. Um, you mentioned other conferences uh, specific to D3 uh, recently in the last week, uh, the NESCAC, and the SUNYAC announced that they weren't going to have winter sports. Now, there's been some some controversy about the SUNYAC's decision. We don't need to get into that, but is there a right. domino effect or a point of no return for uh, for a winter season where you know the CCC wants to play, but if more and more is there a tipping point where I guess we can't play if there's an X number of conferences that say we don't want to play either, and it maybe do you worry about PR? Does it look bad, you know, if we play and other yeah. schools are that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it's I think it's something that's, you know, in, in, incredibly fluid. Um, you know, like I said, every situation is going to be a little bit different. So if if you look at if you look at a league like the SUNYAC, you know, private institutions that are all part of the same um, the same state uh, university system. So in in a lot of ways. It may or may not be easy to get on on, on the same page as, as far as that goes. Um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it is is you have to be cognizant of, of what's going on, but you also have to be, you know, somewhat realistic. If 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 let's say, for example, you know, some conferences that may be in another part of the country are all canceling. Well, you know, they may be in a different place where where we are. You know, their travel situation may be uh, a little bit a little bit different. 
um, you know, the resources that they may have to get people from point A to point B. You know, you look at the CCC and, and our biggest trip in the conference um, is about 175 miles from Western New England, which is in Springfield, Mass., uh, to the University of, of New England, which which is in Biddeford, Maine. You go to some parts of the country, you go into Texas. Um, the, That's going for short, groceries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the short trip may be twice as long as the long trip. So, you know, it's it's a little bit different. Um, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you, you know, you may have a situation where like if you're, you know, the City University of New York Athletic Conference, all CUNY schools, you know, they, they, their travel may involve everybody getting on the same subway train. So, you know, it's 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 a little bit different. I think we we all look at what everybody else is doing. Um, you know, we, we certainly keep the presidents abreast of what other leagues are doing. You know, where it where it enters into the conversation a little bit is is if you know if there is focus on trying to preserve um, you know out of conference play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that impacts things. So I think it's, it's, it's probably safe to say that, you know, when push comes to shove, the, 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 the basic goal, I think of most conferences is going to, is going to be to try to preserve, um, conference play because you have a lot more control over it. Uh, you're familiar with, with what each institution is doing with testing and protocols and things like that. You know, another one that's really key is, is the NCAA championships. Um, you know, and, and, and right now, you know, the, the plan is for those winter and, and, and spring championships to, to move forward. Um, I will say that, you know, in the fall, that, that really was a tipping point because, a lot of conferences were were at a point where they were saying, you know what, we're going to slow it down for a couple of weeks and, you know, then we'll move forward. And, and when the NCAA, um, NCAA made the decision to cancel, um, you know, the, the spring championships, it put a different spin on things. So, you know, for us, I don't know that that ultimately would be the tipping point. But it also creates a lot of challenges because, you know, if, 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 if you look at winter as an example, you know, normally we would start playing some games in November. Maybe you'd go for about three weeks uh, before school shut down for exams, uh, before people go home on, on break. And then you pick it up after the first of the year. You go through March and, and then, you, you know, you go into your NCAA championships. Well, the, the, the interesting part is that, um, you know, for us, the NCAA championship, the declaration of who wins your AQ is really the finish line. You know, we have a date and a time that we need to be done with everything. Well, you know, for various reasons, the decision was made for the, the upcoming winter season to delay those championships by a week. And, and, you know, certainly that gives you a little bit of time. But if you're in a situation where ultimately schools may not be coming back until February, uh, you know, which is certainly, you know, realistic, um, that may impact the window in which you have to figure out who your champion is. So in, in many ways, if, if, if that whole NCAA championship were gone, um, it could give you the ability, if you're comfortable playing, to do something that would resemble a full season where you're playing, you know, for us in basketball, it's 18 games in hockey, you know, it's it depending upon the gender, it's it's going to be somewhere between, um, 
you know, 14 and, and, and 21 games, um, you know, it's harder to do that when you have that smaller window of time. So, you know, um, the NCAA championships committee, I mean, they're going to be looking at, you know, over the coming weeks, how many schools and how many leagues are um, going to be competing or not competing, um, you know, come uh, return to campus after, after January 1st, they've reduced the size of, of, of the field. So, you know, at some point, um, you know, there's going to be decisions. Do we have enough people to conduct an NCAA championship? And at the conference level, you know, part of the conversation is, you know, if 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 the opportunity to get an at-large bid is really limited because they've cut the number of teams that are going, um, you know, is the priority determining who that one team is that's going to move forward? Um, or is the priority to say, you know what, that only affects one team we're concerned about 10 different teams. So, you know, maybe we, maybe we, we worry about the conference season. And if, if we have to go longer, we go longer, but again, that's still, it's, it, you know, it's all up in the air institutions right now, I think are focusing on, um, you know, when are we going to be able to bring our students back? You know, most yeah. schools I think are going to be going, uh, you know, remote at the end of the semester, um, once kids are gone for Thanksgiving. Um, and then it's a matter of when do they come back? How do they re-socialize? When are you or are you at all uh, comfortable in allowing people to get on a bus, um, bring people from outside your campus onto your campus? It's really an ongoing, it's it's really an ongoing thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what the next couple of weeks uh, the next couple months bring us, um, you know, like I said, our presidents are meeting, uh, are meeting monthly. And, um, you know, when they, when they last met, the idea was, you know what, it was still a little bit early to commit to anything about the winter or the spring. Uh, but at some point, you know, people want to know, what am I doing? Am I coming back to school? Um, you know, there's some things built into it now where uh, eligibility is essentially preserved for everybody, regardless of how many games they play. Um, so, you know, all that being said, there's still a lot that's happening. There's still a lot that has to happen. And then we'll, we'll kind of see where we go from there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the D3 management council has recommended a blanket waiver for yep. the entire 2021 20, season. So just kind of tell us what, what does that mean? And, and what are the implications that come along with that? Right. In, in normal times, um, if, 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 a, if, if a student athlete participates in a certain number of games, um, they've used a, a season of competition. Basically in division three, um, all student athletes uh, have four seasons of competition and they have 10 semesters um, or, or, or 15 quarters in which to complete that. Um, if there's a circumstance where in normal times, somebody has something that affects that, let's say, a, you know, a season ending injury, you know, you have the ability um, to apply for waivers to get that back. You know, the, the common one that I think most people hear of is the medical hardship waiver. So, you know, using that as an example in, in, in normal times, you know, if, if someone has not played, um, you know, a game after the midpoint of the season, 
if they've not played in more than a third of the the, the maximum or, or the set number of games, you know, they 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 get that year back. You know, they don't lose that year of competition simply because they were the victim of of, of good luck. Well, as this has evolved, um, you know, back in in in, in March and April. Um, you know, there was a decision that was made that basically said, okay, nobody that is playing a fall sport um, is going to lose that season of eligibility. You know, there were baseball teams that went down south and, you know, played 10, 15 games, um, you know, starting to get close to, you know, what would be the magic number of 20 in a, in a sport like that. So that was really the first step. Then as the conversation continued over the summer, um, a lot of conferences, including ours, had pushed for some more flexibility, um, you know, essentially saying, you know what, it, it would be great if, if, if we were able to give people even more relief. So, you know, what recently came out from the Management Council is a recommendation that's going to go to the President's Council that essentially says, you know, all student athletes are, are um going to retain this year of eligibility no matter what. So if, if the year gets canceled, um, if they only play a handful of games, if they play a full season, they will not use one of their four seasons of eligibility. Um, so I think that's a good thing. You know, from, from my seat, the thing that I've always wanted to see is, is giving people, uh, you know, the maximum amount of flexibility. Um, you know, rather than making somebody decide, you know what, I'm here for an education, but I also want to play four years of my sport. Um, do I have to consider not playing what may be a shortened season this year um, because I want to preserve that eligibility? Well, now a lot of that is off the table. Um, you know, at the conference level, one of the things that we would have to talk about would, would have been, um, you know, the intermediary step of, of saying, okay, you could play up to half the season to retain your eligibility. Well, in a sport like basketball, um, if the magic number is going to be, say, 12 or 13 games, now you run the risk if somebody's playing a full uh, single round robin schedule in the conference and a conference tournament, and then maybe going on to the postseason, um, you know, does being a successful team mean that everybody's lost that year of eligibility? Well, now we don't have to worry about that. You know, we can do what we think is best for our conference. Our schools can do what, what they feel is best for their student athletes. Uh, and there's no danger in losing that eligibility. Now, it still means that student athletes are, are going to have to assess you know, their own situation. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're basically, you're, you're either paying your way or you're getting uh, financial aid um, in, in order to attend um, a college for a fifth year. Um, some people may view that as, you know what, it'll give me a chance to get started on a graduate degree. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that people will have to bring into the equation when they look at their own situation. But I always, I always think it's best if you can give people as much flexibility as possible. You know, yeah. if, if somebody does or doesn't want to play, 
they can do it based on, you know, what they feel is really best for them without having to worry about their eligibility. Um, you know, if, if a school in one part of New England is able to play a large number of games, but, but another school in another area is not able to do that for some reason, the schools are in essence on the same playing field because everybody's got the opportunity to bring people back. So a lot goes into those decisions that individuals are going to have to make, but I think they're in a better place now than, than they were, um, you know, even a week ago. That recommendation still goes up the chain to the president's committee, the president's council. Uh, so it's, it's not a guarantee, but I think, you know, this is one that, you know, what the management council has, has approved is, is definitely something in the right direction. And blanket waiver simply means that it, it impacts everybody the same. You know, you don't have to apply for this waiver. You want it, you got it, and... Cut down on the paperwork, right? (laughs) That's that's it. That's exactly it. Yep. Yeah. We well. So so just moving into um, obviously we know D one is pushing forward with both football and basketball. Um, Do you see that as as kind of a benefit to the other divisions because you can not only see you know what doesn't work but you can see what works and and kind of you know make shift your own plan um, and uh, you know D one gets to be kind of the guinea pig so to speak here. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really, it, it goes both ways. Um, you know, I, I think what a lot of the D1 conferences and what some of the major professional sports leagues are able to do, um, it does create challenges, I, I, I think, most specific to what comes to other people's expectations. You know, just because the NBA is able to do it, that doesn't necessarily mean that any other um, you know, group is, is able to do that um, as, as well. You know, I think when it comes to things like, you know, game day operations, you know, there are some guidelines that the NCAA has put forward that are uh, specific to basketball uh, that you get an opportunity to see, hey, how, how did that work out? You know, whether it's putting plexiglass at a scorer's table or masking people on a sideline, using electronic whistles for officials, things of, of, of that nature that are designed to you know, cut down on the spread. So I think that's, I think that's a good thing. Now, where, where I think it's a little bit tough is that, you know, we're all dealing with different levels of resources. Uh, things that may work at division one may not be completely practical uh, for, for what happens at a division three conference. And, you know, the easiest one to point to is, is a bubble. Um, you know, that that may or may not be feasible for Division three conferences for, a, you know, a, a whole host of reasons. Um, so, you know, that's something that I think kind of gets a, a, a little bit lost. You know, with Division one, you know, let's let's be honest. I mean, so much of what they do in normal times and what they do in, in times now, primarily the, the, the big major Division one conferences um, it, it, it's it's all about preserving their TV and their ticket revenue. That that funds so much of what they're doing. Um, you know, as as you go to some of the the the, the smaller division ones, um, you know, uh, a league like the Ivy League may not be as worried about something like that um, as as the Big Ten. Um, you know, because the, the the TV and ticket revenue may not be 
uh, you know, in, in the same level. Division three, it's also interesting because, we, you know, while we may not have a lot of revenue that's coming in from athletics, there still are retention issues. Um, students pay the bills. Um, students come to schools because of all the different opportunities that they have. So I think that's part of the equation. Making sure that safety um, is is front and center is 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 a big part of it. But really, one of the biggest things in in, in my mind is is that at Division Three, part of our philosophy is that student athletes and students are treated the same. Um, so in essence, it, you know, you may have Division One, big Division One institutions that have classes that are that are functioning remotely but athletics is going on as normal. You may not be able to see something like that at, at Division Three if, if an institution is not able uh, to open for in-person um, um, education, you know, they, they may not be in a position um, to have, um, you know, contact or, 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 or competition and, and things like that. So, you know, making sure that athletes are treated the same way as, as students are, that's really, you know, the biggest issue. And as you try to do that, yeah, there may be things that you can borrow from the bubble concept, but is it realistic, um, you know, in terms of, of the revenue that, that you may have? Um, even within Division Three, you know, what, what some conferences like, um, you know, institutions in the NESCAC or in a league like the UAA, you know, they, they may have, um, you know, different levels of, of, of resources um, or finances to do certain things. But even with those leagues, at the end of the day, you know, kids are there for an education. If, if, if mom and dad are spending, you know, a, a large sum of money for an education, um, you know, while athletics is part of the experience, the, the education is the main thing. Um, so they, they, they really have to be aware, you know, the, pre the presidents have to be aware of all those things, I think, is there as they're making decisions. And, you know, uh, they're, they're wearing their institutional hats, but they're also wearing the conference hat. Um, so a lot of times those things, you know, need to be flushed out somehow. Yeah. Is it interesting, Greg, to see it kind of cut the other way where the D1, the pro world, they're going through struggles that are basically just everyday operational things uh, in Division Three. I think about scheduling conflicts and, and troubles and managing that, having small staffs. I hear broadcasters talk about, oh, how are we going to call games with a lack of fans? It's like, it's your job to bring that energy. Like, you never right. called a lacrosse game in the rain on a Tuesday night? Like, <laughs> exactly. it's kind of funny for the D3 world to see the D1 world kind of you know, talk about their problems. It's like, these are the things we deal with all the time. Oh, absolutely. I, I do think it's, it, it's you know, in, in, in some ways kind of amusing to see the things that, um, you know, are, are, you know, the worst case scenarios for them. You know, while we're certainly not dealing with a pandemic, you know, if, 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 if uh, a, a late winter, you know, takes out two or three weeks of your baseball and softball season at Division Three. Um, you know, you're you're having to reinvent things on on a daily basis. Now, you know, we're not in a position like I talked a little bit earlier about. Um, you know, similar to you know what what some of those leagues might be at. You know, if the NFL, if 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 they want to just 
move a game from week four to week six. Yeah, they can do it. Um, we can't do that. You know, essentially, we've got to try to get institutions on the same page. Uh, you know, sometimes it may be a case where where somebody wants to play a game, you know, on a Tuesday. Somebody else wants to play it on a Wednesday. They have different reasons that go into it. Um, you know, for us, that that's, you know, that's normal, the normal way of doing business. We deal with that sort of thing, um, you know, every every year. We don't have some of the luxuries that they do. You know, if the NFL wanted to, you know, add two weeks at the end of the season uh, to, you know, get themselves out of a hole, we can't do that uh, because, you know, like I said before, we're talking about NCAA championship dates when you have to declare your, your automatic bid. And I'll be honest, we, we've had some really creative situations over the year, uh, over the years. I, I can recall one you know, going back probably about, you know, 12 years ago where um, in softball, we actually had regular season games going on at the same time as our conference tournament was going on. Oh, wow. uh, because some teams were locked into seeds on one side, but then there were other sides. There was the other side where, where some things still had to flesh out and how one game would play out could affect some different things. Um, you know, because of the way the bracket was set up, it, it allowed us to get really creative. And it's certainly a lot easier to, you know, uh, complete a season and figure out what your postseason is going to look like. But we've had times when we haven't been able to do that, you know, for whatever reason. So I think it's really interesting, you know, seeing a lot of the things that, you know, people get worked up over or, or people wonder, you know, how are they going to solve this problem? You know, we, we deal with it. We deal with it constantly. Even even when the weather's great, you never know what may happen with a bus that breaks down or, or, or something. Power goes out. You, you can't play a game. Teams don't uh, have uniforms. <laughs> teams that we've, we've certainly seen that one before. Um, you, you just never know. So I think it's kind of interesting you know, to see the things that we deal with on a regular basis that the world doesn't even really, you know, realize, um, you know, now coming into play, you know, for these these multi-billion dollar operations. Yeah. Oh, so our, uh, our D3 institutions, um, which aren't as reliant on the athletic revenue, more likely to stay intact. Uh, as opposed to the bigger Division One programs that may need to cut back on sports sponsorship. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and I think if you look back over the coming months, uh, over the past few months, and maybe even before all of this started, um, you you see a lot of D one institutions cutting programs to save money um, at. The Division Three level, you really haven't seen a whole lot of that. You know, where where Division One schools, you know what? If if you you know you cut the tennis program or you cut golf or gymnastics or whatever the case may be, you know you you save a little bit of money. Well, in the Division Three world, uh, the more robust and the more broad based your program is, uh, the more likelihood you're going to have people consider your institution. Uh, as a place where where they want to go. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some Division Threes uh, that have cut programs, but for the most part, 
you know, I think our institutions that are, are really, you know, tuition uh, driven, uh, they've got to have offerings for people. And if, 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 if you start, you know, for example, a new women's hockey program, and, and we've got, you know, an institution in, in the league that, that's starting up a program this year in Western New England, Curry's going to be doing it next year. You know, the thing that you, you wind up looking at is that if, if you've got, you know, 20 student athletes that are coming in, um, you know, and all of them are, um, you know, paying the tuition bill or room and board, um, it, it actually does generate revenue from, from that sense. Um, you know, we don't have to worry about paying coaches millions of dollars, you know, where, where coaches are the highest paid people, um, you know, at an institution, you know, making in, in many cases significantly more than even a president would would make. So, you know, D3, I think, largely has been able to really, um, you know, stay intact and, and, and keep moving forward. And in some cases, create new opportunities, um, you know, whereas the D1s, um, you know, at the biggest levels, it's, it's, it's a totally, totally different world. And, and they've got to find ways that they can, uh, you know, that they can, that they can save money. I don't think it's really the right way to do things, but, you know, their world's a little bit different. Um, and I'm just, I'm grateful that, you know, at, at, at division three, that really hasn't impacted, um, you know, our schools around the country, um, you know, really at all, you know, other than some isolated incidents. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very good. So you mentioned uh, the bubble scenario a little bit. Um, is there, is there any talk of division three bubbles for say a national tournament, a conference championship, um, any tournament like that. And if you've had um, any discussions on that, how much really goes into that? Because I mean, you know, people throw it out there like just go into a bubble. It's not right. that simple, right? I mean, there's so much work that has to be done to, to, to put you in that scenario. Yeah. And, and, and I would say, you know, for the most part, I, I would think, you know, for division three, um, a lot of that is, is, is probably impractical. Um, you know, it may work for some leagues. It may work, um, you know, in, in some geographic footprints. But I think it, it is largely impractical. I mean, certainly there's there's a cost that's associated with it. I mean, you know, I, I forget what the number was, you know, that the NBA spent. And, and you know, certainly that's that's a real extreme example where they're spending you know, millions and millions of dollars to make that happen. But I think for Division Three, the biggest challenge really would be the the academic impact that something like that would 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 have. Um, you know, if 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 student athletes are are attending class just like uh, non athletes are doing, where 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 they're going to three or four classes. Um, you know, multiple times a week. Well, you may not have the ability to do that in in a bubble. Um, you have families that have spent money on room and board. Well, now all of a sudden is the expectation that institutions are going to have to somehow figure out a way to make that make that happen. Um, if if you have teams that are scattered all around New England. Um, where would you do something like that? And, and what would be the impact if, if, if you say Boston's the hub, well, you know, we've got no pun intended there, but if you, you know, if that, that's the case, you know, you have schools that are, you know, 90 plus miles away. So how practical is that for somebody who is first and foremost, um, 
going to be a, a student. Um, you know, it could be something that would be more feasible uh, for, say, a conference tournament. But when you look at our conference, as an example, the way we do tournaments is a little bit different than what you might see, you know, when when you flip on, um, you know, some conference championships uh, on ESPN in the Division One world. You know, we're not all going to one site and setting up shop for three or four days. We're typically spreading it out over the course of the week, largely so that uh, people don't have to disrupt their, um, you know, their their academic schedules. With with national tournaments, which would also include the regional and the sectional phases for Division Three, um, you know, I think the the part that that a lot of people don't really even think about is that, you know, while some of those sports may have a predetermined site for, say, the Elite Eight, the earlier rounds are hosted um, by participating teams. Um, you, you generally, when you think you're in consideration ahead of time, you're going to say, okay, we, we have an interest in hosting. Um, you express that interest, you put a budget together and, 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 and that sort of thing. Um, what, what I think is going to be the challenge there is just like I was saying about, you know, even regular season play. What if people say, you know what? We don't want to host a regional tournament. What happens? What if somebody says, you know what? I don't want people from seven other institutions from seven different states coming to my campus. So, you know, if if you're if you're not able to do that in the normal sense for whatever reason, um, you know, does the bubble make that more likely or does it make it less likely to do that because people don't want to go into situations that they're that they're uncomfortable with. Now, you know, at the division 3 level and really all through the NCAAs the NCAA, and, and now I'm meaning the organization, uh, there's funding in the Division Three budget that pays for championships, um, travel, lodging, meals, things of that nature. Um, the thing that a lot of people don't realize because they think about March Madness, but of the 90 NCAA championships, only four of them make money. Division I men's basketball, the College World Series, uh, the men's Frozen Four, uh, and also the Division I wrestling tournament. So, you know, in essence, um, there's, a, there's a finite budget that the NCAA has to work with in putting together a championship for any sport. Um, the other part that a lot of people don't realize, because they, they, they hear about the revenue that's coming in through Division one men's basketball. Um, Division three as a whole, we 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 represent 40% of the membership, but we receive 3.18% of the NCAA's budget. So, you know, that's that's somewhere in the you know the 20 to 30 million dollar range. Well, if you're putting on 30 or so different championships, moving people around the country, uh, renting facilities, things of, of that nature. Uh, that money 
you spend it pretty quickly. <laughs> Suck dry real um, quick. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's not a case that you've got a billion dollars uh, to draw from, um, you know. So that's really, you know, another big challenge. If, if you wanted to do it, how are you going to pay for it? And, you know, while the Division Three budget, you know, may be, you know, in the tens of, of, of millions of dollars, I can tell you that as an individual conference, uh, you know, what we have to work with is largely coming from dues that our member institutions pay in. So it's, it's not anywhere close um, to something like that. So the financial piece is really, you know, a, a big part of it. Um, but even if the finances were there, um, I think the, the academic impact that um, creating that type of environment for a regular season or a conference championship would, would, would really um, present a lot of challenges for, for us to make work at Division Three. It's like walking a corn maze blindfolded in a hurricane, right? That's, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. That's a good analogy. That's right. <laughs> um, Greg, everybody focuses in, in, you know, a lot of this stuff, people get bogged down in the negative, what's not happening, what we can't do. Um, but there are a lot of really positive things that are happening. I know I've spoken to teams who are taking the time. Hey, we don't have games. Let's work on ourselves as people. I have time to train my athletes to be better people. There's a lot of positive things that are happening in the world of athletics right now. Talk about some of those, and are there things that will carry over post-COVID that we've learned and yeah. are doing right now? You know, that that's really a, a, an absolutely um, terrific question. And I can say, you know, when people hear that you're working in athletics, whether you're in a conference office or, or you know, working at an institution, you know, people think that your job is to go to games. And, and obviously they're they're mistaken. Um, you know, I look at the conference on a on a normal Saturday in the fall or, or in the spring. You know, we may have 70 different games that are going on. So, sure, I you know, I love to get out there. And I love to see our folks, um, you know, competing and, and, and working with their teams. Um, but it really is a very small percentage of what we're doing. Even with those games being gone, I can tell you that virtually everybody um, in athletics um, is, is, is working harder than they've ever worked before because of all the different things that we're, we're dealing with and, and trying to engage each other in. Um, you know, for our conference, I think the biggest positive um, really has been what what you said, uh, Andrew, and and that's um, you know working on on developing people. Um, you know, athletics. Um, you know, people think about the wins and losses, and they they think about the championships, but it it, it exists really to teach life lessons. Um, it, it's 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 a classroom above and beyond what people are doing in their normal you know, academic um, pursuits. Um, so really a lot of our, a lot of our schools, a lot of our teams are trying to do those things, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, in addition to the, 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 the types of practices that they're permitted to have, you know, trying to have some programming that goes on, um, trying to, you know, spend some time working on leadership skills and things like that. Well, we're doing the same thing in in, in the conference. 
Uh, we have a, 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 a series that we've embarked. We call it our, our student athlete development series. Um, we, you know, a lot of these are, are ideas that I've had or other folks have had really for the longest time, but we've just not had the time or the ability to focus on a lot of these programs. And to, to give you an example, um, you know, we recently did a, a two-night um, program where we brought in one person from each institution who was either a coach or an administrator who um, got their start as a student athlete um, in our conference, in some cases from the school they're coaching at, in other cases from uh, other institutions in the conference. And we, we had about 60, um, 60 students uh, and student athletes tune in over the two nights, and we learned a little bit about their career paths. There are people in the conference playing now that within the next couple of years will be those individuals. So it was a good opportunity um, to really um, give them, uh, give people who are considering athletics a career, kind of a, a look behind the curtain. We've got another one that's coming up on Tuesday. We've got a young lady who was a softball player uh, at the University of, of New England. Um, she is now working in the scouting department for the Buffalo Bills. Um, that's an invaluable opportunity to be able to have her come on and, and, and spend some time talking about her journey. Um, it's amazing the connections that you could make between these panelists and also people that are in the audience. So that's what we're focusing on. Uh, we, we've not yet announced them, but we, we're working on, you know, some some mental health programming uh, that we're going to be able to do, and that'll be coming out real soon. Uh, we're looking into some other panel discussions that focus on, you know, particular uh, segments, um, you know, that that folks may get into in in their careers. Um, and I I hope and and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that the things we've started doing are things that we build upon um, because you know it's it's not a case of just well we need something to you know keep occupied just when there's no games these are really worthwhile uh, things that go into developing people so the hope is that we're going to continue um, you know doing ways uh, or, or finding ways to do some of these programs that we've finally been able to do. And, and I will tell you as much as many of us, you know, hate things like Zoom, uh, you know, the number of Zoom meetings that, that I'm on in an average day or an average week, it's, it's mind boggling for something that you really, you know, never even knew was out there, um, you know, a year ago. It's actually increased the ability of our coaching groups to get together. Um, it's, it's, it's allowed us to have, you know, uh, more productive meetings of our student athlete advisory committee. You're not dealing with travel. Um, you know, you can have a more productive conversation and exchange of ideas when you see people. Um, so I think that's been really good. Um, it gives people a, a chance to feel like they have, you know, a voice in what's going on. It gives them a, a, a good opportunity to you know, ask questions. I'm not getting emails from 150 different coaches. We, we can talk to them collectively. So I think those have been some positives. The way that we operate and the way we do business, I think, are going to end up, you know, making things more um, um, more impactful as, as time goes on. And 
personally for myself and, and also for a lot of other folks, um, it's, it's about um, finding new interests. You know, you do have a, you know, while we're working harder than we've ever worked before, you do have some time on your hands. You know, the Saturday that you might devote to, you know, driving, you know, 100 miles to go to a game and then you stick around for another event and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, I've personally been trying to use it as, as a way to get outside, um, you know, uh, take advantage of, of the good weather while we have it. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to tackle some, some individual things that I've, um, you know, had an interest in, in, in doing professionally, you know, completely separate from the conference. So I've, I've had a chance to focus on some of those things and anybody who wants to learn about them, reach out to me and I'll, you know, I'll tell you what things that we're, you know, that I'm up to personally, uh, you know, apart from, from my responsibilities in, in the league. So I, I think it's been a good opportunity for people to kind of grow, um, you know, but it's been a challenge, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're not, nobody's happy that we're having to do these things. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's hard um, to motivate yourself every day. It's, it's hard to know that there are people that are missing out on opportunities that they, that they really um, value. So I think, you know, by telling some of the stories that we've been telling, you know, as far as our person of the week, instead of the, instead of the player of the week, where we're recognizing people on, on things that they're doing and accomplishing rather than did their team win and did they score a goal? I think those are, are, are some good things. Um, you know, if, if nothing else, getting those stories out there, you know, maybe it allows somebody who is looking at their options for college to say, you know what, here, here's some schools and, and here's a league that are doing some really interesting things. And, and, you know, I'm not just a piece of meat that's going to go and play a game once or twice a week. I'm, I'm going to get something out of this experience. So, you know, I, I think a lot of positives are happening in that regard. Um, you know, and, and, and hopefully those are all things that we're going to, you know, we're going to learn from and we're going to be able to keep using into the future. You mentioned there about the free time. I was just thinking yesterday, this is the most Saturdays in a fall I've ever had, you know, free time, uh, in like seven, eight years. Um, what, and we've all had that free time now, but you kind of mentioned to there. I don't know if you wanted to expand upon what are some of the other things you've been able to do and get into with this newfound free time? Yeah. You know, one thing that really it's, it's, it's worked out really well. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that we've had to, um, you know, deal with this, but um, the Atlantic East, which is a division three league that is um, based largely in, in, in Pennsylvania. I think they go down into, into Maryland and, and, you know, some other areas there. Um, you know, they had a young lady who um, is, is battling breast cancer. And when their league decided that they wanted to support her um, journey and, 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 and her challenges, they decided that, that, you know, as a group of field hockey schools, their student athletes in that sport were all going to walk 100 miles in the, um, um, you know, in the month of October. They reached out and said, hey, are there any other conferences that might be interested in, in joining us? And long story short, within an hour, um, all seven of our field hockey coaches agreed to doing that. So, you know, 
I don't know that I would have started um, moving around like that. I said, you know, if, if you all do this, I'm committed to doing it also. Our staff would be committed to doing it. So, you know, that's given me reason um, to do something other than, you know, sit on the couch and, and you know, watch the news. Um, you know, certainly th there are some, you know, games that are being played, you know, in, 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 in other areas. But, you know, that's been a good thing. Would our field hockey student athletes have been able to do that in their season um, if they were playing, a, you know, a full slate of, of games? Maybe, maybe not, but it's been a good way for them to focus on, on things. Um, I, I also, I've, I've had, a, you know, I've developed a, a pretty strong interest over the years in things like scheduling. Um, you know, that's been a major part of what I do um, in my job over the last 20 years. Um, I've had an opportunity to um, kind of work with a, 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 a group that's developing um software that that collegiate conferences can use uh, as a tool to greatly simplify and greatly enhance uh, that product. So being able to work with with another company and, and refine, a, refine a product that so many of us need, I think that's been great. Um, you know, another thing that I, I've enjoyed doing in normal times, um, you know, on my free time is, 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 is I love talking to sport management classes. Um, I, there's one former AD in our league who's moved over to the academic side and uh, she's over at Nichols College. She's brought me in the last couple of years to do mock interviews for some of her students. And we, we work on them on, you know, cleaning up their resume and, 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 and things like that. You know, it's great that people, um, you know, have the academic foundation, but sometimes they don't have the practical knowledge that they need. So I've been able, to start working on that type of project a little bit, um, you know, on, on, on my own, you know, it's, it's, it's something I, you know, I do on my own time, you know, in, in the evenings just to kind of, you know, keep myself engaged uh, to keep my, my mind at work. But those are things that, you know, what, if I were out there, um, you know, trying to travel to, you know, multiple games throughout the week, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. So it's, allowed me to tap into some of those interests. And, you know, those are all interests that are either going to make life easier, um, you know, for, for people in a job like mine or for people who want to be in a job like, like mine. So being able to focus on some of those things has been, um, you know, has been a, um, you know, a, 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 a pleasant, um, a pleasant result of having to, you know, deal with all of this. Can we send that scheduling program to the NFL? Can somebody like get that in their hands so they can like wrap their heads around adding weeks? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the, the company's called Our School Today, and I would invite anybody to go out, take a look at, at what they're doing. They have a lot of great scheduling solutions and, you know, a lot of other, um, you know, programs that can work at an institutional setting at, at any level. Um, and the NFL, you know, they they would benefit from it. There's no There's no doubt about it. Um, we do have a question from a listener. Um, this is Pete from Gantt. This is a this is a broad sweeping question, Greg. We're, we're expanding our scope of vision here. Uh, just curious about how things have changed in terms of the number of athletes in Division Three. In the past, there were a lot of athletes who played more than one sport. How has that landscape changed? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, and I think that's something that you know is is a question that 
you know, a lot of student athletes have. You know, it's it's certainly been it, it's gotten harder over the years uh, to compete in multiple sports, uh, specifically at the conference level. Um, but at the Division three level, we do have quite a few people that 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 do that. Um, you know, where it's going to be a challenge is going to be if the fall sports um, end up competing in the spring, because you may have people that play, you know, football and lacrosse, or you may have things like uh, field hockey and tennis. And I've seen a lot of combinations like that um, over the years. Um, you know, if that happens, um, you know, it, it's going to be something that people are going to have to decide. I know we have institutions that if somebody wants to do that, they're going to give them every opportunity to do that if they feel that it's the right thing for them. Um, you know, we've we've talked about in, in Division Three, it, it's required that you have a, you know, a required day off once a week. So if if people are in that situation while they're 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 having to play in in, in two different sports. That's something from the rules side that they that they have to deal with. But also it's it's going to be interesting, you know, just when you look at the health and safety side. Um, you know, if, if somebody's able to compete in two different sports, um, is it something that, you know, they are comfortable in, in doing and um, putting their body through? So in, in essence, not only are institutions going to have to make some decisions, um, but you know, individual student athletes are going to have to make decisions. And, you know, as a conference, I mean, certainly you're going to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, the, the spring sports were affected last year. So certainly, you know, in the spring, if you're dealing, you know, with, with issues of the size of your support staff, the number of facilities, you know, it's important to get the spring people back out there. Mm -hmm. But if there's any opportunity for institutions to give their fall, uh, student athletes a chance to compete, um, you know, they're going to do that. So, you know, within that, you know, I think institutions are going to be really supportive of student athletes that normally are doing multiple things. And, and, you know, they do that sometimes in athletic pursuits as opposed to non-athletic pursuits. And it, you know, might be the same thing. You know, somebody may have to decide between playing in a softball game or, or going to the spring formal. Well, may, now it may be a case of, you know what, um, am I okay playing the tennis match at 11 o'clock in the morning and then running over to field hockey at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Or what happens if games are being played at the same time? You know, and yeah. something's got to give. Yeah. So just like I talked about earlier on, you know, I, I've always wanted the NCAA to make sure that we all have as much flexibility as we can. That's what I think our institutions are doing as well, trying to, you know, make sure there's an environment that is as flexible as possible for people that uh, want to pursue all the things that they, you know, love doing when they're when they're in college. Yeah, we're speaking with Commonwealth Coast Conference Commissioner Greg Greg K in Division Three. Uh, last question for you, Greg, before we let you go. Um, any thoughts on that uh, World Series uh, Game Four last night? I don't know if you did. You get to catch the ending of that game. <laughs> I, I did. I did put it on right at the end, and you know, as as a baseball guy by trade, um, you know, a fan first and foremost, um, it, it's it's always amazing when 
you see something that you've never seen before. And I, I can remember so many nights, you know, after when I, when I started working as an official scorer, um, you know, as kind of a side job when I was working for the Division II conference. Virtually every night there was something that you would see, whether it had to deal with scoring a play or, you know, studying what, what somebody's doing, where there wouldn't be some conversation in the press box about what's going on. Now, I remember there was a game in, I think it was 1995, I was working for the Yankees AAA team in Columbus, and we were in Norfolk, Virginia um, for a playoff game against the Mets AAA affiliate. And, you know, we Columbus was, was you know, um, you know, the one that was favored going into it. And there was, there was believe it or not, there was a similar play uh, to an extent where, where, you know, they had somebody coming around third base who, you know, tripped over the coaching box or whatever the case may be, and the potential winning run didn't score. Now, obviously, it wasn't a case where the ball, you know, wound up where it did. Um, but that was the first thing that went into my mind is that's 1995, the Clippers and the Tides, uh, you know, something really similar. And again, um, we went on, you know, to win the series and, you know, stranger things happened as you moved on. So that's the part that I just find incredible um, is that, um, you know, just when you thought you've, you've seen it all, something happens. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that when they saw, you know, some guy, I don't, I've never even heard of him and he's hitting 195. Oh my God, we're dead. Well, you, you know, like Yogi Berra said, it's not over until it's over. That's why, that's why we play the game. So I just think it was, it was absolutely um, incredible. Um, you know, in, in, in order to win, you need uh, luck on your side. And you know what? I, I just always felt when this whole thing started that Tampa Bay, man, they, they just, they, they have a knack for things that need to go right, going right. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not about payroll. It's not about the roster that's on paper. That was just unbelievable. And, um, you know, my, my gut tells me, you know, the next two or three games, whatever it is, you'll see something else that you're like, I, I just can't, yeah. I can't believe this. So it was, it was pretty wild. It it's, was absolutely wild. It's elating. If you're a Tampa Bay fan, if you're a Dodgers fan, it's just like another gut punch. Jack Bear yeah. for uh, Yahoo sports called it the demented double Buckner. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what he, yeah. he termed it. That's it. And you know, the, the part that's, that's a shame is you, you know, with, with any situation like that, there's always somebody when I was, when I was a kid in the seventies, you know, the daily news in New York, after every playoff game or world series game, they would always do a little cartoon where they would have the hero and they would have the goat. And you know, you'd always, you'd always magnify the goat. And then you start thinking, you know what, there's a million other things that could have played out the way it has. I mean, we're, you know, we're today, we're, you know, we're the anniversary of, you know, 1986 game six. Um, you guys know it well, it probably predates you by a couple of years, but still, um, you know, the, 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 the person who's been the goat for, 
30 some years, you know, that's not really fair because there's a lot of different things that went into that whole, um, you know, that whole play. And, and, you know, last night it was amazing, you know, just going on social media, you know, the people that I have who are baseball coaches or have played at the game, you know, you know, the, the, the big thing that I heard, you know, them knocking is how does a pitcher who came up as a catcher not back up that play? I don't know that, you know, Joe Fan is thinking about that sort of thing, but it's like everybody who you tap into in those avenues, everybody's pointing out something else that could have made it totally, totally different. So, you know, that's why you play the games. That's why we love what we love. And, um, you know, we, the beauty of it is maybe we, we now get two more great games out of it instead of one and you know, my gut tells me we'll probably get three more games out of it. Awesome. Uh, we've been speaking with Greg Kay, the commissioner of the Commonwealth Coast Conference in Division Three. Uh, if you are just tuning in, you can go back. We uh, post the show. Uh, it's archived everywhere on our social media platforms, Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, Twitch. You can go back and watch the episode live. You can also subscribe to the 360 Sports Show podcast to get the audio version of the show. That will be out later this afternoon. Uh, Greg, awesome speaking with you. Great conversation, great insight. And I look forward to having you on again somewhere down the line. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I, I really do appreciate you having me on and, and hopefully we can, you know, at some point get back to where we're talking about the great things people are doing on the field and, you know, some of the great memories. But like I've said in, in you know, a lot of other forums, give me a mic and I'm always happy to come on. So it's always a treat. Um, it's always a treat joining you guys. Yeah, right. Thanks for coming. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. Greg. Go out and enjoy the beautiful day. You know it. All right. Take care now. That is Greg Kay, the commissioner of the Commonwealth Coast Conference, joining us here on the 360 Sports Show. Uh, Christian, we left off there talking about the World Series. Uh, I say that's where we should start right now. Uh, The series is tied 2-2. I was going to pose the question, how bad was that final play? I think I saw the headline. It kind of covers it. The Demented Double Buckner. That's it. Yeah, that's what it's it is. Very, uh, well, it's very Dodgers too. So I know he he had mentioned like the Rays always come up with something crazy and, and amazing and they win it. The Dodgers also do the opposite of that. So you know it, it was very fitting. Uh, it, what's just crazy about it is you look. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read exactly like this is this is our, this is a little course of events here. Bloop single from Brett Phillips, who also was not even he's a pinch hitter. Well, because he was. Brought in as a pinch runner earlier in the game, uh, but he wasn't even on the roster uh, for the ALCS. So now here's a guy who is just basically being called up. Uh, little bloop uh, bounces off the glove of Chris Taylor. That's the first mistake. When you watch the play, it, it it's like you, so many. You, you see bad plays. You see like one mistake. To see this many mistakes all at once, it, it just the play is absurd. So the ball yeah. bounces off the glove of the center fielder Chris Taylor. He then manages to pick it up. He throws it to Max Muncie in the infield who cuts it off. And at this point, Randy uh, Rosarina is uh, – he's fallen down on the third baseline trying to come home. So oh, Munce, yeah. Muncie throws it to the plate to Will Smith who then takes his eye off it because he probably – at this point, he doesn't know that uh, Rosarina has fallen down. He's expecting to be right there. So he just kind of like swipes at the ball and then goes to swipe at the plate 
misses the ball. So now the ball's going to the backstop, and then Rosarina stands up, and then it's like, oh, I can go home, and then runs home and dives home and is safe by a mile. Uh, it's just like it's like a comedy of errors, and that just you know it all added up in a positive way for the the Rays at, at the end of the day, but just bananas. Yeah, I mean the Dodgers have always had like that you know that saying of tight booty syndrome. They always have had that, and I feel like that's another case of it. Like the ball's coming to you at home, you have one out to make, and uh, you just yeah. Is does this, does something like this d- mentally damage the the Dodgers? Like, I hope so. is it, is it over? Are the Rays just going to take the next two games? Because uh, you, you saw you saw Dave but... Roberts. You saw he Dave Roberts like threw oh, yeah. his hat, his mask, and it was just like this look of just complete exasperation. Not just for that moment, but of like the addition of all the moments they've been putting up with for the last yeah. like five, six years. I just, I, I'm not convinced yet. Cause I think they could come out and just hit five home runs, but I, I hope they lose because I just think it's so funny. I, I, I don't know. I like, uh, I like relish in the Dodgers, uh, pooping themselves. Yeah. I, I, I was going to ask you then who you're rooting for. Cause the way I've been thinking about this coming into the series and then where it stands now it's better for baseball fans if Tampa Bay wins because it, it's like that thing. It gives. It, last year we saw the Nationals win with like the old school approach. You know they they paid for players, but it was it was standard starters, bullpen, closer, traditional, very traditional team. Um, this year, if you get a team, one of the Moneyball teams, to really win, that's good for the fans. For fans of teams to say, hey, we can have, we can build, we can have a shot. We talked about how baseball basically just incentivizes teams to lose because of the amount of money that they have in the revenue sharing. Yeah. But it's better for the MLB if LA wins, right? Because it's like, no, no, you don't, you don't think so. No, I think it's better for both that the Dodgers lose. Cause I think look fans for baseball now tie, they put, they put their eggs in this basket of this team that's lost for so many years. I, I think the Dodgers in order to save baseball need to lose for like the next 25 years and then finally win. That's how you engage fans. I guess, you know, I'm thinking like so do you you do you think if if you know in a quiet meeting Rob Manfred is is you know in a locked locked door closed meeting do you think you think they're pulling for the Rays cuz that'll, you know, that'll make other teams feel incentivized to win somehow or you know, I look at it like, you know, the the Dodgers have paid all this money, they've made all these moves, they've got all the stars and if they blow it, I just think it's it's kind of a joke. Yeah, I mean, just look. You just look at the payroll. Of the two. And teams. does MLB like the whole opener, yada 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 thing that that the Rays are doing? You know what I mean? Does that where they want baseball to go, or should they uh, care? I mean, I don't know where they want baseball to go at this point. It's already in the, in the trash can, so I feel like, uh, you know, the Dodgers losing is the best thing for everybody because number one, they just continuously choke every year, and it's hilarious. But also the fact that like. Look at the Red Sox in 04, right? The, the 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 drawing that the Red Sox and Yankees got back in 04 was huge. And that's obviously the way the sport was. But here in, like, Boston, even fans around the country were like, I feel like I see a lot of comments now on, like, old videos and stuff and old highlights that, that we're rooting for the Red Sox, even though I'm not a Red Sox fan, you know, just because mm-hmm. it's like that thrill of, uh, you know, this team hasn't won in 86 years or something like that. Same with the Cubs and same with all these teams. Like the Royals randomly were in the World Series. That team sucks. It's like you got to root for that team that just chokes and sucks. 
And uh, the Dodgers are that. So I think all of MLB's life uh, depends on the hangs Dodgers the losing. Balance. <laughs> yes, it, it hangs in in the Dodgers losing every year for like you know maybe I don't know put a number on it like sixty years that that that'd be that'd be pretty great. They might save baseball honestly. I want to check in. I want to see if David Price has weighed in at all on uh, on on the World Series. He has not. Helpful. He has not tweeted anything in the last like in the last week. So nothing, nothing, nothing there. Obviously, he opted out of the season like before it even began. He opted out in April. I like I forgot that he was on the Dodgers until somebody mentioned it yeah, this I week. Know. I was like, oh, that's yeah. right. David Price is on that team too. Now I have all the cards. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Trump card. That feels great. And now he's gonna he's gonna claim that he's won two championships even though he opted out. <laughs> If they win. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, we'll know by, by next show. Um, game seven, I believe it would be Wednesday. So game five's today, tonight, uh, yeah. at 8.08. Uh, I don't know why baseball has these whacked start times. Uh, game six, uh, 8.08 on Tuesday. And then game seven is 8.09 on on wednesday it's like they're slowly adjusting to like the the time of sunset you know it's like we lose an hour of sunlight each day it's something weird i don't know why yeah why it's why it's like that but yeah we'll know by wednesday um i tend to agree with greg um i i think i think this is gonna go seven i would not be surprised if the rays win game five um because it's just if, if there was another day yeah. off, you have a day. You have a day. I mean, it's not even been twenty four hours since that happened. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so sudden. Uh, now, like you said, the Dodgers could easily come out in the first inning and smack like six home runs in one inning, and there you go, the game's out of reach. But I think the Rays take tonight, and then the Dodgers take Game Six, and then guess what? We get more Game Sevens. We've had so many awesome Game Sevens in this sports cycle. Um, I always look forward to World Series Game Seven because baseball baseball playoffs are actually good. Uh, these playoffs have been good. Uh, I've watched more of the playoffs than I mean I didn't even watch probably a complete inning of regular season baseball because uh, I couldn't stand it. Uh, but the playoffs I've actually watched and enjoyed because um, of the intensity. So yeah, I, I think best case scenario is the Dodgers lose the next two two right in a row. That's what I'm rooting for, you know. All I right. feel like they just lose all control of themselves, and then you know that's it. That's that's gonna be so bad for them. Well, there's also the other thing. There's like the side thing of like not wanting it to be like L A L A. Like the Lakers just won. If you're a Boston fan, right? Yeah. People don't want L A to have won basketball. Now they'll have, and not that like there's the same amount of like animosity or rivalry between like baseball for Boston and L A. Um, but there is a Boston LA tradition thing and, and it just wouldn't, I, I don't think Boston fans want that. Um, then again, the Ray, uh, the lightning won the Stanley cup. Yeah. Rays win the world series. If, uh, Tampa Tom win it, wins yeah. the super bowl, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, Brady's like King Midas. He, anywhere he goes, he just turns that barren sports city into gold. Uh, and, and they start winning championships. Um, so that would, oh. that, that could potentially be insufferable. He's got his uh he's got his best boy uh Antonio Brown back with him now. So they're they're we'll, rolling. We will get to, we will get to that. Uh we want to get to our football stuff. Um just hitting on some of the other big news. So the World Series, like we said, I think we both think it's gonna well, Christian thinks Christian wants the Dodgers to win the next two. I think we're going to game seven, but we'll we'll move on. Uh the NBA uh Adam, uh Sham Sharina announced uh tweeted this week 
uh, and it it broke a couple of days ago. The NBA now does think, and they're going to vote. Uh, they're going to go to the Players Association. They are going to now try and push for a Christmas Day start. Yeah. Uh, that's what they wanted. Then they kind of backed off from that. Now that's back on the table. Uh, a Christmas Day start for the league. 72-game regular season. They haven't announced whether that would be regionalized bubbles, big bubble, no bubble. I think they just want to try and first get a framework of, okay, when do we want to start and how many games do we want to play? And then they'll build from there. Um Christmas, though, I'll be excited to have it, you know, basketball back that soon. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of risks with that because you look at – we talked about, like, a guy like LeBron, how much he benefited from not being in the playoffs two years ago, getting that time to rest, having a broken-up season this year in more time, and how fresh he looked in the postseason. It's going to be completely opposite when you ask guys who just played in the finals two weeks ago to come back on Christmas Day. If the NBA wants 72 games, are they going to be okay if, like, fifth, you know, 20 of those, uh, your stars don't play because of load load management? Um, there's going to be a lot of. You know, we'll have to we'll have to get Dr. Mark Murphy back on to talk about implications, medical implications of that. Um, as a fan, I'll be excited, but I worry about that being too soon for these guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a lot to ask. I mean, we'll see where we're at in a couple months. Hopefully, we're in a better place, but who the hell knows at this point? Um. I, I like the idea of the Christmas Day start just because I think that's a huge day for the NBA. It usually draws in a lot of people. And also, like, you're sitting around with food, booze, and, you know, family and just watching basketball. I, I feel like that's a, kind of like a Christmas Day thing. So um, I like the idea of it. Is it too soon? Uh, it's definitely – it definitely is fast. I mean, look, I mean, we all knew when they were playing in these bubble scenarios in the summer that – these seasons were going to be a quick turnaround quicker than normal. And it's going to be a weird time just because they're in the bubble away from their families. And then, you know, who knows what happens next? Do they go um, back into the bubble to start next year? Like what, where we're going to be in two months, we don't know. So uh, it's definitely fast, but they, I mean, look, they signed up for the bubble for the playoffs. Will they do it for the regular season and, and want to do that for long stretches of time again? I, I don't know. Yeah. I was trying to find out. The draft is on November 18th, so that's coming up really soon. Uh, I was trying to find exactly what day free agency begins. Let's see. I think this might this might have it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> draft, November 18th. It, it doesn't Probably say. Soon after the it, it's got to be soon. Oh, it's it, it's got to be soon, yeah. It still says to be determined, so it's probably going to be after the draft then. Um, you know, you, you can't – I don't know. Every, every, the NFL's flip-flopped around before. They used to have the, the draft before free agency one year, then they went to it afterwards. Now it, And then obviously this year everything got bungled around again. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, that's going to impact the draft – and if the draft happens before free agency, like it, like it does normally, but I'd say in this year more so than ever, because there's teams like the Warriors who we think could make a play for Giannis, uh, or could make a play for Joel Embiid. Uh, those are things that would go down on draft day. Um, yeah, and you know, normally the drafts in June, free agency begins in July, but then you have this big long window where. You know, like the KG trade didn't happen until like late July, right? Yeah, yeah um, it was late. Yeah. 
that's not going to be the case that you couldn't something like that won't be able to happen this year. You know, a team won't be able to draft guys and then say, oh, "Okay, well, we'll sign this guy, hope to maybe entice this guy away, you know, with this other trade down the road." It's going to be draft free agency season. Boom. So, yeah. it's going to put a big crunch on a lot of these front office people to try and have all your ducks in a row right away. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Obviously, it's going to be a quick turnaround, even just from you have a month between, I'm not even sure what it is, a couple of months at least, I would say, but uh, between the draft and the start of the season, presumably, we'll see what happens if, if they actually start on those that day and, and how the players, you know, I assume the Players Association and the NBA is going to have to come some type of agreement again on uh, on what they're doing for the season. But um, regardless, it's going to be a quick turnaround from draft free agency, signing players, sign and trade, all that RFAs, everything like that. It's going to be a quick turnaround from the start of that to the start of the season. So they're going to, they're going to have to get players in there, you know, building systems, whatever you want to say, pretty quickly. And obviously, you know, the Warriors, if they do that, then I boycott the NBA. <laughs> um, let's move along now to uh... – <laughs> Uh, the facepalm news of the week. I should, we should make a we should make a sounder for that, but it really is. Um, back in the spring, Bruce Arians said, you know, was talking about when they got Tom Brady, his friendship with Antonio Brown. Would Antonio Brown ever be a potential be on this team, and would Gronk potentially be on the team? And Bruce Arians said, you know, kind of indifferent to Gronk, um, whether or not he wants to come out of retirement or not. Uh, he doesn't really have any issues with him, but he doesn't love him, whatever. He said indifferent. Uh, and Antonio Brown, he just, he vehemently said, no way. I don't, I don't think he fits in our locker room. I don't like his character, blah, 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 blah. Well, we hmm. know who the captain is now. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, probably gets one text. He looked like he was going to go to the Seahawks and then he probably got one text from, from Brady. Uh, and, uh, he's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. Eligible to start to play in week nine. Um, he's got two more weeks left of his suspension, uh, but he has signed a deal. Uh, Antonio Brown, this is from Adam Schefter, signed one-year deal with Tampa Bay, has a max value of $2.5 million per source. It includes a $750,000 bonus for a Super Bowl win and three $250,000 bonuses, one for receptions, yards, and touchdowns. The remaining $1 million is in base salary. And roster bonuses, and there was one other, uh, bah, 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 bah. and this will officially be signed on Monday. Uh, I don't know how worked. I'm not going to be worked up about it, but like I honestly don't know how to feel about this quite yet because like he's now signed a contract. He's going to become a member of the Buccaneers. Do we think he's going to be able to get through two weeks before he even gets on the field? Will we even see? Like, I don't have, I have zero confidence that we'll see Antonio Brown on the field. Can he, like, stay? Can, can, is Tom going to put him in Derek Jeter's mansion and, like, lock him in the basement? Like, <laughs> what? Derek Jeter sold, is, is selling his mansion, so he's out of there. <sighs> Antonio Brown's going to be, like, I don't know, maybe in the river in the backyard and have to, like, have a, I don't know. Get something going back there. Like, like aside. Guy, I mean, look, yeah. the guy is a notorious a hole. I think it's pretty clear if you read anything about the guy, you can you can see that, right? Uh, he doesn't seem like the best person, right? But also, uh, Tom is like he thinks he's like this like TB12 Jesus, and he's going to save everybody for some reason. 
and he wants to bring this guy along. He he wanted to do it last year, and he's still carrying on with it. Uh, does he last? I have no idea, but I, I like Tampa. You don't need a receiver. That's the other thing. It's no. like they don't need a freaking receiver. They need help on defense. They could use someone on the O-line uh, so Tom doesn't get killed again. Um, it's just like it seems weird, and and Brady is just like he wants – he has this like circle of uh, of trust, I guess, and he wants to to bring this guy along for some reason. Uh, I just I, I'm not really sure why why he's doing that. Uh, he he has loved Antonio Brown for the last what 14, 16, 18 months, and he's just like carried on with this. And finally, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it to like week week eleven. I don't know. I, I, but even like. <laughs> I just don't get the need. I don't see the need, right? Um, you know, just from a football standpoint, they have so many guys on offense. Like, who's going to get bumped up now? Like, Chris Godwin's in a contract year. Like, he want he's going to want touches. Uh, Brady, I think, has yeah. really he's fallen in love with Mike Evans. I mean, he looks for him almost too much. And he's got um, his little Elvin Welker, Scotty Miller there, who's played right? great. So, and now, granted, yeah. I think he's kind of gotten a little banged up. But like, if you is Antonio Brown going to? Here's a question, right? And, and the internet can help us answer this. Is Antonio Brown going to be fine coming in and just being a part of the offense? And, hey, you're going to get three to four balls a game. Maybe some games you get more. Some games you get less. And he'll just accept his role. If he does, then great. Uh, you know, that that's perfect for Tampa. Why not add that guy? Does oh, anybody man. think that's going to be the case? Just look at the track record of what he's done. Now, he didn't have time to blow up like that in New England because he was too busy getting into trouble off the field. But look what happened at the end with Pittsburgh. Juju Smith-Schuster had a monster year, was named team MV, you know, offensive MVP, and Antonio Brown threw a fit because he yeah. wasn't named MVP. It's like, <clears throat> dude, be happy for the guy. He's your teammate. He's getting open yeah. because you're so good. And guess what? Teams that start adjusting to him will now be single covering you, and you can go off. Like, that's... Yeah. I just, I just, I just, I just think he's going to want to be the focal point. And you know what? Tom's going to placate that. What does that do to the other guys? Oh, wait, well, Tom, yeah, I, mean... I, I worked out with you, what, for months illegally or not even illegally, but like we risked getting COVID. Cameron Brady, I think, got COVID trying to practice with Tom Brady in the back at like some high school fields. We put in yeah. all that time with you and you're just going to bring in your boy off the street. Like, well, that's the thing is like, number one. Like I just said, they don't need a receiver on that team. Uh, and also, like, I was going to say, honestly, I, I'm not worried so much about how Brown is going to feel about the other guys. It's like, what? I don't know where this love fest came from between Tom and Antonio Brown, but they love each other. Like, Antonio Brown's the same way, and they, they like each other's stuff on social media. It's very odd. I, I don't understand where this came from. But uh, the other thing is, I would be more worried about like Evans and, and Godwin and, and these guys thinking like, why the hell did they bring this guy in uh, off the street randomly now, as opposed to Brown, you know, going the other way, he's yeah. not going to get the ball. He's going to get pissed at the other guys. I think Mike Evans now is like, what the hell dude? Yeah. Yeah. It cuts both ways. It cuts, it cuts both ways. Does this change? I think people like maybe expected when you looked at that on paper and you said what the bucks were. Okay. Super Bowl. Then we see that, okay, they're struggling a little bit to start. Not like they're they're bums, but, hey, you know what? New system, COVID-19, all these other things. You know, 
and, and before that, we had predicted the, the Buccaneers to go probably in the range of 10 and 6, 11 and 5 anyways, but be rolling oh. at the end. That still could happen. Um, but I think maybe we kind of looked at it and said, uh, where things are in the NFC, you know, maybe maybe they can get to an NFC Championship game. But I don't think there was this, like, hardcore Super Bowl or bust pressure on them. I think Brady has that in his head. He wants to yeah. be – he wants to show that he can still be an MVP, that he can win, and blah, blah, blah. If Antonio Brown comes in and isn't a petulant child and doesn't totally blow up and ruin the roster, and that offense is good, Tom has no excuses now. He can't, you know – Lose he can't he can't lose a Super Bowl he can't not get there now if this works yeah. out they have they should win the Super Bowl because there's there's no there's no excuse you want it to be all on you Tom you want to prove you can do it yourself you've assembled like some of the greatest the best talent <laughs> in the National Football League on your team you would potentially have three of like the top five receivers in the NFL on your team and then you add in whether or not you think he's over the hill or not Gronk they have competent running backs. Uh, and in an offense where they're just saying it's all on you, go be the man, and yeah. you don't win. I think that you know when you're betting so much on yourself like that, if it blows up in your face, it's gonna look bad. Not that it's gonna ruin his legacy, not that it's gonna ever take him out of goat status, but now I think the pressure is on if this works out to win the Super Bowl, and if not, that's a that's a major major disappointment for them. Well, I think we know who's in charge down there, right? I think Tom says something. Arians just has to go with it, and the ownership's going to say, yes, we're going to do anything like all hell. You know, <laughs> it's just like, uh, I, I don't know how this one's going to work out, but like you said, I mean, theoretically, this team should be unstoppable on offense almost, just based on on the weapons that they have. Yep. Uh, I have my doubts on, on the coaching and the uh, discipline, just based on how many penalties. They had one good game so far, and that was against Green Bay, where they almost got smoked, and then Rodgers decided, you know, the crap that was bizarre. Yeah, but uh, that's a side. That's a side note. That's that's more on Rodgers than anything. But uh, I think Brady obviously can still play when he when he has the weapons around him. Uh, it'll look pretty good. I still have my doubts on whether they can say discipline enough to beat some of these other teams. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like Tom has all his guys in here now, and if he doesn't at least make the Super Bowl uh, and possibly win it i feel like that kind of looks bad like yeah you wanted all these guys you assembled this team you got them ready to go you're the only one out there you have your immune supplement you're you're all good to go uh you should make it to the super bowl right so i don't know super bowl or bust now if if these guys come in and it and it looks good yeah agreed um i say we move along now uh we keep it with the nfl and we get to our picks um we both picked Philadelphia uh, on on Thursday night. Oh, oh, just quick hit on that. Oh my God, I I simultaneously have enjoyed all of the content that has come from Daniel Jones tripping over himself, <laughs> but yeah. I also feel so bad for the guy. It was a case of I think he just was trying. It's the fastest a quarterback has run this year, which blows my mind that Lamar Jackson hasn't run faster than him at fast, one point. Though. But you know, I think he was trying. He didn't need to. He could have dialed it back to like fourth or third gear. Instead, that he was right a little bit. Instead, he was trying to like rev it up and trying to hit the nitro button, and uh, he just he overran himself. And he was just so fast. Him. And then there was a point in time where he just like hit Vince Wilfork status and decided to like trip over his shoelaces and like do a tumble. That that play though, like the Giants are or sorry, the Eagles are so lucky 
Because that was like a play you'd see in the preseason where like nine guys are going to get cut after it because they all just yeah. lost contain. And that actually happened to the Giants. Um, what's his name? Uh, Danny Etling. This is preseason game number four two years ago. Same deal. It was like quarterback keeper. It was like a little read option or a bootleg. And he went up the right side and went like 95 yards uh, uh, for a touchdown. And the Giants broadcast was going back like, all right, let's look at the play. Okay, this guy cut, 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 benched, benched, cut, you're cut, you're cut. Because everybody just ran to one side of the field and nobody yeah. followed the quarterback going down the other side. That's literally what that looked like. Uh, and the Eagles are lucky that Daniel Jones just tried to run too hard and tripped over himself, or else that would have been like football folly. I mean, now the football folly is on Daniel Jones instead of yeah. it being a starting defense letting a quarterback who is not like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes run almost 96 yards to the house. Dude was gone, and he just like absolutely all of a sudden was just like going too hard and forgot about where he was, and he just tripped over himself. It was great. Yeah. Um, so, but we actually both picked Philly in that game. Philly did, uh, manage a comeback, uh, in the, the great division that is the NFC East. Um, Christian last week, uh, was a, was a bad week for me. Um, <laughs> you, you yeah. got seven games. Uh, you got, you, you, you went plus four on me, uh, seven and three. Um, just not, not good. Not good for me. Bad week for me. But I'm going to make up for it right here. Uh, and this is the beauty of being live. Uh, you know, we pick the games now, and then we go watch the games. Uh, and anybody who's watching live, you know, gets to pick along with us. Uh, and anybody who's listening to this as a podcast, which comes out uh, after the show, we put out the audio from the show uh, as, as a podcast, gets to listen to how wrong we were. And I, we, were, we were both wrong plenty last week, just me. So my guarantees did not come to pass. Um, but we'll start. We'll start with Detroit at Atlanta. Um, this is a game. This is just a, a suck game. Uh, I don't know what to think. I mean, Detroit. I mean, they they win last week. They managed to stave off being, you know, Patricia getting fired. Uh, Dan Quinn has been fired in Atlanta. Um, I don't know. I mean, Julio Jones is still kind of dealing with a hamstring injury. I don't know how effective he'll be again this week after yeah. he was a beast last week. Um, I guess because Dan Quinn isn't there in Atlanta, I now can't pick against him solely because of him. So I'm going to say uh, I think the coaching advantage in this situation goes to Atlanta. <laughs> so I'm going to actually pick Atlanta over Detroit because Patricia sucks. Can we just go back to last week for a second when I said, you know, Dan Quinn's been fired. The Falcons are going to get their first win of the year. I, I believe in it. And you said, and I quote, no shot. <laughs> And I believe the Falcons. I admit it. I I admit when I was wrong, and I was wrong a lot last week. Thank you, thank you. I just needed that for one second. And now uh, I'm gonna say this is so tough. This is two teams that absolutely blow. Um, I'm gonna say Detroit. I'll I'll take Detroit. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. This is like us a coin, honestly. All right, Cleveland at Cincinnati. Um, I think it is Cleveland. Oh, can we go back to last week again for a second? <laughs> sure. Let's let's sure. just say the Browns, right? Didn't you pick the Browns last week? I did. I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, this is this is a great week for the Browns. They're going to beat the Steelers. Uh, it's the yeah, opposite. They, last week, I thought like yeah. this is the Browns will prove. 
that they are legitimate and they got their asses kicked. And you want to know what? I'm going to flip it around this week. Total 180. This is where the Browns prove that they're the Browns. They're going the way of the Buffalo Bills right now. They're going to lose to Cincinnati. Book it. I, after you said that, I, I told you that this was the perfect week for the Browns to lay a Brown one right on the field. <laughs> and they did. They did it. They scored seven points and lost 38-7. to seven. Great week. Uh, I would say at Cincy, you know what? I kind of like the Bengals, honestly. I feel like... Uh, as long as Joe Burrow can stand... He's good. That offensive line is just wet tissue paper. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's a big that's a big problem. And they lost. They're coming off a couple losses again here. Uh, I don't know. This is such a sh- shoot game, anyway. I would say you know, let's go with. I'll, I'll, I'm going to put my uh, my eggs in the Mayfield basket. Let's go Browns. <laughs> Christian, thank you. You're just going to be giving me back all these games you got last week on me. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to give and take. And honestly, I feel bad that you you made all these calls last week and just were absolutely so wrong. It's not even funny. So I'll, I'll give them back this week. All right. Um, Pittsburgh at Tennessee. This is actually a really, really intriguing game. I mean, the, the, is, tit- yeah. the Titans last week, um, <laughs> that game against the Texans was just wild. Um, we can get When we get to the Texans, we'll get to the – kind of baffling some coaching decisions from Romeo Cronell, who I think kind of like had a, like the game has slipped me by moment. Um, yeah. Pittsburgh though, uh, might possibly be the best. I, I, I think they might be the, this is, we're going to find out, you know, whoever wins this game, I think I'm ready to say that's the best team in the AFC. Cause they're both well coached. They're balanced. Uh, you know, the chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, great. Uh, but that defense kind of suspect, um, I think Pittsburgh, Tennessee, right now, whoever wins this game is immediately the number one team in the AFC. Just yeah. in my mind, I think so. Uh, you know, the Chiefs, you you like gave up forty points to the to the Raiders, like that that knocks you down to to number two. Um, Not good. I I I'm just I'm I know I, I hate it, and because I'm mad that the NFL has decided not to punish the Titans like at all. Like, at all. <laughs> and so I want to pick against them out of spite. Um, but they're a good team. And, and Tannehill, man, has, like, become – he just decided to become an MVP type of quarterback. Like, I well, think that's yeah. a, that discussion should start. Like, and not as a joke. Like, legitimately so. What Ryan Tannehill is doing is unbelievable. Um, and it's not like he's doing anything crazy. He's just playing extremely smart um, football. And it's – it's like Brady-esque type stuff where I, I see him like, hey, I'm going to move you here, I'm going to p- move you here, and now I know I can run a toss here, or I'm just going to like throw to this guy in the flat, and it's just and it's going to get 20 yards. It's, he's elevated the mental side of his game from what I can see, uh, and he's also just been very, very efficient. Um, they win this game, and he looks good. The MVP talk for Ryan Tannehill has to start. I'm taking the Titans. Yeah, well, here, let me just start with this about Ryan Tannehill. When he came into the league in 2012, his head coaches were something named Joe Philbin, something named Dan Campbell, and then the notorious uh, you know, career killer in Adam Gaze. So uh, he is with a legit coach now in Vrabel, so I think that has a lot to do with it, and also the system is uh, very good. And Derek Henry is, you know, he's like a jacked, 250 pounds that can run 100 miles an hour. So that's also good. Um, 
I really think Pittsburgh is legit. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Pittsburgh wins. Uh, but I think this is uh, this is gonna be a good game actually between these two. And honestly, I like what uh, not only right now anyway is is uh, Tennessee just running the ball and running over people, but they're doing both. And Tannehill is uh, somehow just come out of nowhere and he's like been torching everybody. So um, I like both these teams, but I think Pittsburgh until they lose. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with them. Obviously, Titans haven't lost either, but I just think Pittsburgh is right back in it, and they're they're legit again. Uh, Claypool has been awesome for them, and you know, can we get someone from their organization over to the Patriots to draft a wide receiver, please? <laughs> I know, Seriously. I know. Um, next up is Carolina at New Orleans. Uh, I think they haven't officially said yet, but I think Michael Thomas probably is not going to play. Uh, in this that. game again, we'll do a quick search for that so we can be also might uh, be traded apparently accurate. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's. It looks like he's not going to be active today. That's the latest from Adam Schefter two hours ago. So no update officially on that. Um, but either way, the Saints are disappointing, man. And I, I just think he's out. Bre- yeah, Bre- he's officially out. Bre- Bre- all right, officially out. Breeze he's has so, looked. Yeah. He's looked okay. You saw flashes last game where you thought, like, uh-oh, is is, is Drew done? Is it, is it? And it was almost to the point where I was like, is this going to be sad? Like, the way he just wasn't reading coverages and just throwing yeah. the ball. He looked the way – remember how Tom Brady looked against the Chiefs in 2014, that Monday night game? He just yeah, was, like, throwing yeah, really into double bad. coverage. And it was just like, oh, my God, like, is it? Is this just – did He's he let go of the it. rope? Did he lose it? Yeah. And that's what happens. Now, Breeze did kind of fight back, and they, they, they won that game, but – um, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've maintained at some point though, from what I've seen from drew and the saints have kind of been up and down that at some point you were going to see Jameis Winston playing in a game this year for them. Uh, I'm picking Carolina in this game. I think Carolina quietly, um, is playing very well. Teddy Bridgewater coming back to play the saints. Um, they play there's, they're starting to, I mean, they need some pieces on the Carolina team. Obviously they're kind of starting from scratch, uh, yeah. trying to rebuild, but I like what they're doing. Uh, and I just, I don't trust New Orleans. I just don't trust New Orleans. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking Carolina. Yeah. I'm going to stick with Carolina as well. I think the saints are like a couple of games away here from being an absolute mess. I don't know. Like they're, they're teetering on that thing where they're going to be solid, obviously, because they're their roster, but, uh, like Tom is going to get traded maybe. And there's talk of all this other stuff. Drew looks like he's lost it. So I don't know. They could. It could go one way in which they win the next 10 games and get into the playoffs and look unstoppable just based on, you know, their offense and defense, both sides. But yeah, uh, they also could teeter the other way. And, and I'm not sure which it, but I like what Carolina is doing. I mean, they have, you know, and Robbie Anderson, Bridgewater is like sneaky good. Like nobody talks about him, but he's been really solid. So yeah, um, I'll stick with Carolina. All right. Buffalo at the Jets. Buffalo Bills at the Jets. Yeah. Uh, um, you know <laughs> The Jets are the Jets are trying to get Trevor Lawrence, so the last time the Bills started four and or four and one, they actually went five and one and then they lost like six in a row. And that was two thousand eight. Trent Edwards was quarterback. Everyone was like, This is the Bills year. Uh and you know, they played great in September, but this is October now. Don't do it. Um, I am taking 
the New York oh, Jets. This is gonna be, yeah, this is going to be the week. This is going to be the game of the week right here. <laughs> New York Jets to beat the Buffalo Bills. Want to know why? Want to know why? Because that will keep Adam Gase's job for another week. It's a joke that he is still the coach of that team. But winning this game will keep him around so that we can keep making fun of him. It's not going to be pretty. This Don't watch, please. Like, don't, like, cover your children's eyes. You know, don't even, do not look, you know, it's like looking at an eclipse, like it's beautiful, but you shouldn't look straight at it. Check mm. in every now and again on a box score on your phone. It's it's probably not advised to physically watch this game, but uh, the Jets are going to beat the Bills. There'll probably be like two safeties in the game, you know, something crazy. The score will be, you know, eight to five. <laughs> don't watch. You've done some risky things on this show so far in the last couple of weeks. This has got. This is by far the dumbest. I'll declare it now. <laughs> I exactly, Colin. Yeah, don't do it. I would say uh, the Jets have zero chance to win this game. Not only because they're tanking, but also because they suck and they suck badly. So uh, yeah, Bills. The Bills are not going to lose to the Jets. There's absolutely no. We'll see. Uh, Dallas at the Washington football team. Uh, I, I gotta take the Cowboys. I'm sorry. I mean, I know, I know they've, they've been putrid, um, no Dak and all of that, but, um, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's terrible. The NFC East is, is just an abomination. Uh, yeah. Eagles two, four and one on top of that division. Cowboys two, four and oh, right behind them. Washington's one and five. Giants are one and six. I have no idea what to make out of any of these teams. It's going to be crazy. They're like a f- legitimately so, a five win team is probably going to win this division. I think. Yeah. I mean the the Eagles should come through that division. Like honestly. Cowboys, I... the, the Cowboys schedule the rest of the way today. Um, Washington, then Philly, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Washington again, Baltimore, Cincinnati, 49ers, Eagles. Uh, Giants, yeah. like three, like a honestly, a six-win team is going to win this division. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean it. It's honestly a terrible division. But it, if you have to say which team is should be on top of the division, just based on coaching, quarterback, it should be the Eagles, and it should be Eagles by far, uh, especially with Dak out. But uh, anything can happen. Who knows? I mean, you know, Dallas. I, I'm going to take Dallas. But also, both these teams are not good. If Dak was in the game, I might say, you know, different story. Easily Cowboys. But uh, the Cowboys still have the better roster, and I think Dalton is at least serviceable. So maybe this week on a full week of prep, he uh, he's able to beat the Washington football team, who also suck. So. All right. We're getting up against the clock here, so let's try. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll hit through these a uh, little fast here. Green Bay at Houston, uh, the Packers, who I thought were going to roll over the Buccaneers. It started out that way, and then, boy, like when Uncle Mo switches sides, yeah, right. uh, Aaron Rodgers just completely kind of imploded. Uh, I know he had some bad plays from his wide receivers, but he himself started to play like absolute poo. Um, I thought he should have been benched earlier in that game just so that he doesn't get hurt because he likes to run around and make plays, and that's just how he breaks his collarbone all the time. Yeah. He's a uh, child. Okay. Houston... You know they played so well against the Titans, and then and then lose that game. Uh, you can talk about Cornell screwing up and trying to go for two and like seal the game. I don't know. Do you like the aggression? I always say like no. they should have just kicked that field goal and no. you go up yeah. eight. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know what to make of this of this matchup. You know, the Packers kind of show glimpses of like they are who we thought they were. Like they're they're really good, uh, and then they also show signs of just like total ineptitude for some reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know who to trust. Uh, I honestly, I think I'm gonna pick Houston because they're at home. Um, I, I think I don't. Green Bay should be so much better, but then they get to that point where it's like, okay, this is the game, and then they blow it. Um, yeah. And so I just I can't trust them now this week after last week, so I'm going Houston. I'll take Green Bay. Uh, I think I feel like they'll bounce back, uh, but you know it depends on how much of baby Rogers is today. So. All right. Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. Brady versus the Raiders. Um, I'm going Las Vegas. I just I, I I don't know. Do does the fact that Antonio Brown is coming coming to town throw off any of this uh chemistry on the field? Uh does Gruden have some tricks up his sleeve for Brady? Uh that Raiders defense can get after it. Um they're aggressive. I feel like they're gonna hit Brady hard. Um so I'm gonna go Las Vegas. I, I like them. Vegas good is good, not great. They're scrappy. Um so I'm gonna go Vegas. Tampa Brady. Figured. Kansas City at Denver. Uh, this is easy. Kansas City. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, Kansas City is the easy choice, obviously. I actually think the Broncos are better than people think. Uh, they're kind of dumb, but they have. So you need to run the ball, and Drew Locke's going to huck it into double yeah, coverage. Not great. Uh, but man, if they had Von Miller, it'd be a different story, but I like, uh, yeah, I like. KC. Oh, yeah, they don't. They don't have enough. Uh, I mean, hey, Locke could. E- they could play good defensively, and Locke could. I, I I put it this way, they don't have the offense to be able to put up enough points to win the type of game they need to win. Like they need yeah. to like hold the Chiefs to like twenty one, twenty four points. I just don't think that Denver is going to be able to even put that up against the Chiefs. So, you know, Locke no, would have to play out of his mind. Um, Jacksonville at the Chargers. Man, the, the Chargers are again. Chargers. It's typical Chargers where, you know, I just you, you wait for them to be better and they're they're way better than one and four. Like they are. Yeah. Like it's crazy to think they've lost four in a row. They've like had a chance to win all of those games. Um and I keep picking them and I'm gonna pick them again. <laughs> yeah, so, me too. Chargers. I mean Look, if they if they learn how to win in the final minute of a game, they'd be like five and one, uh, five and zero oh right now, four and one. So I think it could easily be the other way. They just, I don't know, for some reason they just hate winning games at the end of them. So uh, I'll take the Chargers again, but uh, yeah. San Francisco at New England, Jimmy G coming home to Gillette. Uh, the Patriots, obviously, they finally got to practice, so we'll see what team shows up here today. Uh, that game's at, uh, I think, 4.30. Um, I don't know. I think – I don't know what to make of the Niners. I feel like Jimmy has struggled. We know that. He's a little banged up. Uh, Bill gets to face him now for the first time. I bet you he's got some tricks up his sleeve. He knows everything that Jimmy's going to want to do. I bet you you're going to see that – you know the defense they played against um, Derek Carr where uh, it was basically like they double-teamed the check down, uh, yeah. which was like uh, just mind-blowing. Uh, I bet you they're going to do that to Jimmy today. I bet you're going to see a similar type of defense, take away all the short stuff, make him throw it down the field. And although I've liked Garoppolo's ability to throw deep in the pass, I think he probably doesn't have much confidence in himself right now. Um, so I think he turns the ball over in this game. I think the Patriots look better offensively with some practice time. Um, 
And I'm going to take New England to bounce back and get the win at home. I'm statement, inclined. Statement I'm inclined to take the Patriots. Uh, Andrews is back. They got more guys coming back on the O line. I think Mason's back as well. It, that should be intact. Uh, but you know what? I'm going Jimmy G. All right, let's go Niners. And we I like can, Jimmy we, G. We, and I think I think Bill's going to let him get one this week. I really do because <laughs> I think he wants his argument to be, you know, we had the next guy. So I think he's going to let him get it's one. It's a win-win for Belichick in this game. If Garoppolo lights them up, then it's like, see? See? Yeah, I had I him. told you. I had him. Um, Seattle at Arizona. Uh, this is awesome. This is a, a good game. great yeah. Sunday night game. I love the Cardinals. I love what they're doing. Russell Wilson throws laser-guided missiles, uh, you know, blindfolded uh, on the field. Uh, Would have been crazy. Again, another team that I they wanted Antonio Brown. I don't know yeah. why. They don't need weapons on offense. They need weapons on defense. They need um, secondary weapons. Um, but, uh, man, this is going to be a really good game. Uh, I, I've just been so high on the Cardinals. Um, uh, and normally I don't pick against Russell Wilson. I very rarely do that, but I'm going to pick against him here. I'm going Cardinals. Seahawks all the way out. I'll take the best player in the league right now, Russell Wilson. Uh, right. However, this game could be 64 to 61. We don't know. Yes. Seriously, uh, this could be all offense. Lastly, Chicago at the Rams. Uh, I'm going to go Lar because I think the Rams. Um, you know, I know I said it last week, but I, they're they're a good team. I think they are a good team. Um, Chicago, I think, is kind of frauds at their record. Um, you know, they're five and one. I, their defense I don't, is legit, though. Their defense is legit, but uh, you know, the Rams are the Rams are four and two. I know they lost last week, but um, man, the opposite, man, like the a- NFC East, there's years where it's like, if every team goes eight and eight, it's like, oh, they suck. But no, that's actually, they're all good teams and they're competing against each other. So it's actually yeah. a good division. Not the case this year. The NFC West Seahawks, five and zero, Cardinals, mm-hmm. four and two Rams, four and two Niners defending NFC champions, three and three. And people still think they're a good team, uh, because of all the injuries, like, it's going to be unfortunate. You're going to have a team go 11 and 5 probably. Well, actually maybe not with the expanded playoff this year. Maybe not. In any year you'll probably have a team go 11 and 5 and not make the playoffs uh in that division, but uh Yeah. Uh I'm going I'm going Rams. Uh I think, I think the Rams both are these, the better team. I think both these teams are both fraudulent a little bit, but uh I'm going to say Chicago. Both these teams have beat absolutely nobody, but uh I like I like Chicago's defense in this game. Awesome. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games we are different on. Oh, boy, I could dig myself quite a hole this week if things don't go my way. Uh, that'll do it for the sports show, the 360 Sports Show here. We broadcast every Sunday live at 11 a.m. to about 1 or <laughs> there and a little after 1 o'clock do. now. Um, watch football. We had a great show here today. We were joined by the commissioner of the Commonwealth Coast Conference in Division Three Athletics, Greg Kay. Certainly go back and watch that conversation with him. That is archived here on all of our social media streams. You can like and follow us there to never miss a show. We're live every Sunday on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch. You can also subscribe to the 360 Sports Show podcast through your favorite podcasting platform. We'll be putting out the audio version of today's show in just a little bit here. Thanks, everybody, who tuned in. And for commenting on the stream, you can always email the show at the360sportshow at gmail.com. Big special thanks once again to Greg Kay for joining us here today. I'm Andrew Pizzelli. He's Christian Lauber. Go enjoy some football. Go Jets! Ha-ha! <laughs>